up, guys? Brett Apple here from DailyFanMMA.com, back with another UFC Quick Picks on the Mayo Media Network. We have UFC Vegas 57 on Saturday, which is Armin Serkian versus Mateus Gamera in the main event. A really fun main event, two legit prospects. I think this is a fun card. We got 12 fights so far. Fingers crossed they all stay together. As usual, I'm going to give you my cash game play of the week, tournament play of the week, salary play of the week, and then maybe we'll do a fade or maybe we'll do another fight matchup that I like for tournaments. Before I get into them, though, make sure you subscribe to the channel. So much great content coming out throughout the week here in a lot of different sports. Like the video and comment below. Let me know who you like in the 8K range. I think, I really think you can separate yourself this week. If you can nail a lot of these fights, the winners in the mid-range, a lot of close matchups, and we're not going to talk about a ton of them, um, but I think there's a lot of opportunity to separate yourself from the field if you can pick the correct winner. So very curious to hear who your favorite play in the 8K range is. Without further ado, let's jump into my cash game play of the week. I'm going to roll with Umar Nurmagomedov at 9.5K. All right, for cash games this week, I like Umar Nurmagomedov at 9.5K. And it's probably obvious because he's minus 1,000 to win. But also, there's a lot of decent options in this top range. I think a lot of people are going to be on Rachmanov at 9.3K. I think Armin Sarukian's a great option at 9.1K. And there's plenty of upside options in the lower 8K range as well. But Nurmagomedov rates out better for cash for me, obviously, because he's a minus 1,000 favorite against Nate Maness but also just because of his wrestling-based style um, related to Khabib Nurmagomedov, and he's going to come in with a, a, a similar plan in dragging this fight to the ground. He's an aggressive grappler. He's landed five takedowns against Sergei Morozov in a second-round submission in his UFC debut, got Brian Kelleher down early in the first round, won by submission there as well, and his two DraftKings scores pretty dang strong, 112 points and 105 points. He's also a pretty competent striker, especially with his kicks. So should the fight play out on the feet for a while, I think he can at least survive. This is actually an interesting matchup that I wanted to touch a little bit more on because I'm less sold, and I say this a lot, but I'm less sold on these big favorites in tournaments than I am in cash games because in cash games you just you got to take the safety in the minus one thousand favorite. Umar's also minus one twenty five to win inside the distance. That's one of the best lines on the slate. A very aggressive rap uh, wrestler who's attempted five takedowns in his first fight in in less than a round and attempted eleven takedowns in his second fight. He has among the most wrestling upside on this slate. A lot of control upside against an opponent in Maness who's been taken down. Um, by a couple different opponents already and doesn't look the best once he hits the mat. However, I do think Maness is going to have a, a distinct physicality advantage in this matchup, which I'm very curious to see how it plays out. It's not going to change my perspective from a cash game, but Umar isn't the most physical fighter. He's not the best athlete, at least in terms of his build. He's not the most strongest fighter in this division. And Maness rates out better in those aspects. And Maness is currently defending takedowns at 86%. Even Umar against Brian Kelleher in his last fight. He landed a takedown and got the submission, yeah, but it was on the fifth attempt. So I do wonder... 
whether Maness can keep the fight upright for longer than most expect just based on physicality alone. And if he can, that's obviously going to limit the upside of Nurmagomedov. It's going to give Maness a path to victory in terms of competing on the feet where he has some knockout upside. I still think Nurmagomedov is going to come through with a victory, but on a card like this where there's other elite options in this top range, Rachmanov, who I have concerns with as well, Sarukian in the main event, and then just a, a boatload of high upside targets in the lower 8K range, I don't necessarily know that you have to go stars and scrubs, pay all the way up to the top in tournaments. I'm still going to do it to a degree, but so is the field. The field is going to be very heavily exposed to Umar and Rachmanov and Sarukian, and Pivoting away from one of the three, at least to a degree, makes sense. I'm not saying that you shouldn't be playing Nurmagomedov in tournaments because he obviously rates out very, very well and has a ton of wrestling upside. But I do want to point out that you can look beyond the minus 1,000 betting line, which may be correct or not, and think that there's possibility for him to perhaps underperform. Um if Maness can keep the fight upright for a while, that's going to limit Nurmagomedov's upside uh, ceiling and at least give Maness a path to victory. So I'm very curious to see how this fight plays out. Umar rates out very, very well in cash games, but I'll be a bit more hesitant to load him up in tournaments. All right, let's move on to my tournament play of the week. I would like to talk about TJ Brown at 8.9K and not necessarily because he rates out as the, 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 the best tournament play of the week for me. We've already talked about an elite option. I've, you know, Rock again, Rachmanov is going to be very, very popular. Sarukian is going to be very, very popular. The 8K range is loaded. I think Brown gets a little bit overlooked in this spot at 8.9K because of his price, and he does have issues. He isn't the most durable fighter. He gets knocked down here and there. He has been submitted a few times in his career as well. Doesn't have the best fight IQ, but I really like Brown's pace. I've always liked him as a fighter because he's a pretty solid round winner. Um, he's averaging 3.87 significant strikes per minute, absorbing 2.82 per minute, 53% defense. That's decent. And he comes from a striking background. So if a fight plays out in the feet, in theory, Brown has a path to victory there. He's also a very aggressive wrestler grappler, averaging four and a half takedowns landed per 15 minutes. Uh, black belt in jiu-jitsu, so should the fight go to the ground, he has some uh, submission ability there. The problem is like, in his UFC debut against Jordan Griffin, he was absolutely dominant, landed seven takedowns in the first half of the fight, and got submitted um, from bottom side control, which never happens. To, to, the, to the fact that Brown scored 73 points in a second-round loss, that is absolutely insane, but it shows the kind of upside he has when things work out, like, maybe not perfectly, but work out um, very well for him. And in his most recent win against Charles Rosa, it was a similar thing. He actually fought a hard 15 minutes and got the decision there, landed six takedowns, got a couple reversal reversals, scored 113 points in a decision. And he's fighting an opponent in, uh, in Shah, Shah Leon. I'm not sure how to pronounce his last name, Nordan Bieke. I've also seen him listed without this last name, so I'm just going to call him Shah. I'm not sure how Shaw, how good he is. He's one and one in the UFC, and he's looked like an adequate wrestler. You know, at best, he lost to Josh Coley Bow in his UFC debut, beat Sean Soriano most recently in November. 
landed 17 significant strikes um, in each of those fights. He's not really much of a distance striker. 15 distance strikes against Sean Soriano and 12 against Cooley Bow. So should this fight play out on the feet, I definitely think Brown's a, a more technical, higher volume, more effective striker. And I'm also not convinced that he's also just not the better grappler too. I do worry a little bit about Brown getting taken down. He's defending takedowns at 36%, which isn't good, but he scrambles up well. He's not just going to lay on his back and, and give up. He will scramble hard. Again, he's a black belt in jiu-jitsu, so it's not one takedown and you're done necessarily. And Shaw was also taken down by Sean Soriano a couple times, who's not a very strong wrestler. Shaw defending takedowns at 33%. So if Brown fights with a similar game plan as we've seen in past fights where he you know he attempted seven takedowns in a round and a half against Jordan Griffin and he attempted uh, eight takedowns over 15 minutes against Charles Rosa the combination of his striking upside and his wrestling upside lead me to believe that in a win he still probably does score pretty well do I rate him out better than every other tournament option on the slate definitely not obviously i like the grapplers priced above him there's a lot of kind of boomer bust finishers priced below him and i'm gonna have my exposure spread out here brown's minus 185 to win he's only plus 265 inside the distance but he's the type who could pay off if he wins by decision and you have these fighters like rockmanov who does who don't win by ko or chris curtis who don't win by ko or J.P. Buys, Cody Durden, Olberg, and Chukwi, who, who don't win inside the distance. That's where a fighter like T.J. Brown puts up 103 points in a high-paced decision and sneakily ends up on the optimal lineup at 8.9K. So I don't expect him to be very, very popular. I don't think he has the best chance to win inside the distance of any fighter on the slate, but it is possible that he's just a better striker and a better wrestler than Shaw in a small cage at a high pace. I like the upside over 15 minutes. I'm willing to take some shots there on Brown. Moving on to my salary play of the week, and this is just going to be a great fight to target as a whole. I'm going to give out Adolfo Vieira at 7.6K. He's the underdog against Chris Curtis, potentially rightfully so. Curtis minus 125 to win. Was priced up on the betting line around minus 160 earlier in the week, and I do agree with the line closing. Um, I am not at all confident that Vieira wins this fight. I, I, and, and if he loses, it's probably by knockout. So those are the two very obvious outcomes, Vieira winning by early submission or Curtis winning by knockout. And this fight is minus 675 to end inside the distance as a whole. So loading up on exposure to both sides of this fight definitely makes a lot of sense. I think Curtis is being a little bit overvalued based on his early UFC run where he's coming off two knockout wins in a row, knocked out Phil Hawes, knocked out Brendan Allen. And he's now fighting an opponent in Vieira who has issues, who doesn't even necessarily want to be fighting, who isn't a spectacular boxer, who has had horrible cardio missteps already in the UFC. There are a lot of reasons to pick Chris Curtis to win this fight. I just think that looking at Curtis's results in the UFC, we're kind of overlooking his historic pedigree, which is he's just not that great of a wrestler. And he's gets taken down a lot. 
and he always gives up his back to stand up. And you can go watch his fights in PFL, which he was in before the UFC. He's losing decisions. He's getting taken down. He's giving up his back. And the good thing is he has cardio, and he can survive. And if he survives and extends Vieira into the, the later rounds, he might just come back and win. But Vieira is uh, uh, an outstanding submission grappler and a very good wrestler. And he should be trying to take Curtis down early in this fight. Half the wrestlers these days don't wrestle. So if he doesn't end up wrestling, you know, go after him. Don't come after me. But he's an elite submission grappler fighting an opponent in Curtis who gets taken down relatively easy, even in the UFC. He got taken down by Brendan Allen on like the first attempt, gave up his back standing. It's a historic pattern for Curtis. And I cannot look at things like that and, and his past and think anything other than, well, Vieira has a chance to do that too. And even Chris Curtis himself says he thinks he's either getting submitted early or he's winning by knockout. It's just the two most likely outcomes here. And for 7.6K, I think Vieira is a great option. Whether he wins or not, he is plus 105 to win. He's plus 145 to win inside the distance. He's a wrestling-based fighter. And, I mean, he scored even 84 points in his third-round win would be fine for 7.6K. But his first two UFC wins put up 106 points. He has a ton of upside for this price, a big risk, a floor of zero. Um, but I think Vieira has a, you know, a, perhaps a sneaky path to victory compared to what the public believes. I think it's quite realistic. He has early ground success and perhaps he can turn that into a finish for 7.6 K Vieira is a fantastic tournament option. Curtis will be very heavily owned at 8.6 K and I'll have exposure to him as well. I just have a little bit more fears about Curtis getting controlled earlier and getting his, DraftKings value sucked out because he's getting his back taken and that like a second, third round knockout might not cut it. Whereas any sort of win from Vieira should should be enough at 7.6K. So Vieira's going to be my salary play of the week. All right, finally, I am going to talk about another tournament fight that I like in Sergey Morozov versus Halian Paiva. Um, didn't give out the fate of the week last week just because I thought it was, you know, I thought it was relatively obvious. And actually, it's funny because the two names I mentioned, DePaula and who was the other female fighter? They both ended up losing, I'm pretty sure. So, yeah, we, we got them we got them right. We didn't get screwed by the fate of the week. And, and if I was to give out a fate of the week this week, it would probably be Frey at 9.2K. Just doesn't project to score very well without a quick knockout. She's going to be very low owned though, and it's probably not worth my time to, to dive into any further. So I'm just going to talk about another tournament fight I like in Morozov and Holly and Paiva. Morozov is my preferred play here at 8.5K, but it's very reminiscent to the fight that I talked about last week with Gregor Rodriguez and Julian Marquez. And I said that Rodriguez is, is a probably the better boxer and definitely the better wrestler and grappler. And he's probably going to have success early in this fight, but... If he can't get Marquez out of there, it's very likely that the tide turns. And despite Rodriguez actually landing three knockdowns in that first round and winning by KO, I, I feel like the tide was about to turn there um, if Marquez had survived past the first round. And I feel a similar dynamic with Morozov and Paiva in the sense that Morozov's a better wrestler than Paiva. Paiva gets taken down pretty frequently, you know, pretty much by every opponent he's faced. 
defensive wrestling, 75%, it, it's fine, but he's gotten taken down a lot, and Morozov's a, a relatively quality wrestler. So I think Morozov has early wrestling upside, and is just super hittable. He's defending strikes at 48%, been knocked down both of his last two matchups badly, badly knocked out in his last fight against Sean O'Malley, and Morozov's a, a sneaky, decent boxer as well. So I think Morozov's going to have early success in this fight, whether it comes from takedown, uh, takedowns or from his boxing. And we've already seen Morozov put up a big score in a decision. He took down Taha six times, nine and a half minutes of control, 105 points on DraftKings. He can put up a, a big score at 8.5K if things go very well for him. But as we saw in his last matchup, he he knocked Silva de Andrade down early, took him down early, beat him up early, and, and got very tired. And de Andrade came back, knocked Morozov out in the second round. It's not similar to his loss against Nurmagomedov, um, Morozov in his UFC debut, but he also did lose in the second round in his UFC debut. And, and I'm sensing a pattern with when he's fighting at a high pace, it's going to be hard for him to, to, to put in a full 15 minutes, and he doesn't seem to, to be fighting super well through adversity. And Paiva is the type to fight through adversity. And perfect example is Paiva's last win. He was dropped early in the first round, beaten up badly, taken down four times, and he came back to win that fight. And it just, in this particular matchup, again, it feels like if Morozov isn't dominating the whole fight, he's going to have a window. He's going to provide a window for Paiva to turn around, change the momentum, become the more effective striker, have the better cardio, and potentially put a hurting on Morozov late. So Paiva for 7.7K, I'm not totally sure if he's going to be popular or not. He doesn't rate out well, similar to Marquez, because I don't project him to score many points per minute. But I do think he has a realistic path to victory, a realistic path to a finish. And he's only plus, I think, 125 to win this fight, 127. So um, decent underdog spot there. And Morozov, just based on the pace of this fight, his wrestling upside, and Paiva's hit ability, I think Morozov has a pretty good shot to exceed value in a victory as well. So good tournament fight to target there. All right, guys, that's going to do it for another UFC Quick Picks here on the Mayo Media Network. Thank you for the support, as always. Make sure you follow me on Twitter, at BradAppleyDoubleTWP, DailyFanMMA.com for all your DraftKings breakdowns needs. Just posted all 12 breakdowns on the site, a full hour and 40-minute premium podcast with my boy Sun Tzu, and uh, projections, rankings, all the usual stuff. Again, thank you, guys. Best of luck in your contest this week. Stay safe. Take care. We'll talk to you all soon. Peace.